I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's memorial. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what's up? What's going on, boys? Uh, exciting week. Playoffs galore this week. Um, Playoffs? We have one going on right now with the, <laughs> um, with the U.S. Women's Open. So exciting stuff. What a Sunday. That's right. We've got a playoff going on right now on the ladies' side. We'll keep a close eye on that. Mark Immelman also joining us. Mark, I know you don't like playoffs, and your one-and-done guy came out on the wrong side of it, but you still earned plenty of coin this week. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, but what I do want to say, how's it, boys? Um, If any one of you ever... From now on, if you were watching ladies golf in the U.S. Open, start battling me about driving the ball well and you're going to win the event on Sunday, reference Lexi. And that hole must have looked about this size to her coming down the stretch. you got a putt to win, and I feel so bad for her right now. She hit, um, and I'm sure she would describe it this way herself, two very weak putts on 17 and 18. Never gave it a chance. That was it, tough was to sickening. it was sickening, man. And you feel so... As a player, Greg, you can talk to this. I mean, everyone listening to this, you start missing putts and that hole starts looking like a thimble and you feel so helpless. No matter what you try, the ball just will not go into that little cup, for goodness sake. Well, I mean, you, you, the other thing, too, is there's a, a like a defense mechanism that you build up. She she had it at eight under. Right? What, mm-hmm. what was her lead? It was four. She was five clear five. when she got to nine T. Yeah, she's five, and then all of a sudden gets to 11, a little bit of a suspect chip there, 14, another one not so good, and all of a sudden it starts slipping away. And and now it's more than just, well, I haven't made any putts. It's I'm, I, I can't believe I'm giving this away. And you start to feel like like it's slipping, and it's it, there's a different it, like it's um it's a different emotional level when you're losing a tournament and you're giving away a tournament rather than putts just aren't going in. It, it adds an extra element to it. So it was tough. It was tough to see. You bring up a good point because you call it slipping away. I mean, when you got your hands on the rubber end of the golf club, it is getting tugged away from you in a hurry and. There's an inevitability about it. Everybody knows it, including yourself. And that's the worst thing because there's almost nothing you can do. Yeah, it's a a sinking feeling for sure. We're going to get a resolution to this event. uh, And we'll talk about that after we chat about what went down at the memorial. And gentlemen, we've we've had to reset this Sunday. So let's just go through the quick John Rahm debrief here. I don't think we've had a chance to talk to either of you. No, it was just it was KP and I last night after the news broke and and (laughs) we haven't had a chance to connect. Uh, So let's start with this. John Rahm, of course, 18 under par after the third round, six shots clear test positive for COVID and he is uh, set to potentially be back Tuesday of U.S. Open week if all goes well. Mark, you have been on site. You have been up close and personal. You have an intimate knowledge of PGA Tour protocols. When this news came out right after we got done recording, by the way, on Saturday evening, what was your reaction? Shock. 
uh, was my first reaction. Uh, honestly, um, my wife and I had a dinner to go to and we were in the car and, um, you know, I'm trying to be a smart boy and not fiddle with my phone when I'm driving and the phone starts buzzing and Tracy checks it and she goes, there's something about John Rom." <laughs> You know, blowing the, well, not blowing the event, but but being out because of COVID. And I was like, you're kidding. So she starts searching all of a sudden. Then I called Jacob and he goes, no worries. We've got Kyle and, and Rick are going to come on to talk about this. So I was shocked um, because nothing was released about the fact that he was in the uh, the COVID protocols, given the, um, uh, or what's the term? You know, he, he, came, he came into contact with someone who was COVID yep. positive. So it was kind of on the watch list or, or whatever the case might be. Contact tracing. Contact tracing, that's a thank you. And then you have a couple of negative tests, then all of a sudden you have that one positive test. And I can't speak to what he was going through or the way that it was dealt with. You know, it is what it is because they got the COVID results late Saturday afternoon while he was on the course. But I can talk to you as a guy who's been to PGA Tour events and people are sort of relying on you to not be COVID positive. And I can speak to that time you're waiting in your hotel room or you're waiting for a COVID result. And your mind plays all manner of tricks on you. You know, when we used to get in there on Mondays, test, then quarantine Tuesday, hopefully you're clearer than you work Wednesday onwards. And then you test at the end of the week to be able to travel, travel too. There's always this unease about you and I'm sure you had some of that going on and that makes that Saturday round he put together even more impressive because the guy was just like a superhero. But I can imagine just how you must tumble from the highest of highs. You've built a six-stroke lead. Everybody, including your competition, are essentially giving you the event already. You walk off the yeah. green, then you get the news like that. I mean, that has got to, got to take you from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. So I was shocked. I, I feel f- sorry for him. I, I wish him and his family all of the best. Remember, they've got a little one in the household right now, and they're going to have to stay in in, Murf, in Dublin, uh, wherever they're staying over there. I'm sure uh, I would think that there'd be a nice intimate place for him to practice some golf to to lead into the U.S. Open in a few weeks' time. But it's just crazy. And it's sad that it would happen to a guy that had built such a commanding lead in such a prestigious event. We talked, Greg, uh, Kyle and I last night about how really no matter what the outcome of this event was going to be, John Rahm was going to be the story. Now, the boys did try to uh, change that storyline, but Patrick Cantlay was, of course, asked uh, after his victory today about how he was able to reset, right? We've talked a lot of this about uh, from John Rahm's perspective. We've talked a lot of it from the PGA Tour's perspective. Now we're hearing how it was for the actual competitors and how they went from being six shots back to tied for the leap. Yeah, what a change of pace. I mean, um, you're approaching around six back is you're you're basically firing at everything, right? You got to try to go crazy and catch John, and all of a sudden you're tied. It, it, what a what a dramatic change of pace, uh, which I think is in a way difficult to deal with, but at the same time, um, you got a chance to win an event and, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. It's just unfortunate. And, um, these are the protocols and like Mark said, it is what it is. So, um, everybody kind of knew that this was a possibility when golf came back. The hard thing is we kind of feel like we're past it, right? We have fans back. Things are, you know, uh, a lot of places are alleviating mask rules, Things are kind of uh, many people are getting vaccinated and it kind of seems like um, we're through it. And then we have to be reminded of it in this way. So uh, all being said, all the protocols and everything has worked so well so far to make this the only real incident that affected dramatically affected competition. Um, I think it's still, you know, it's just it's just tough. But I love the way John Rahm handled it. And then Mm -hmm. Cantlay, Morikawa, those guys. they really and Scotty Scheffler too. They they came out ready to go. There you could tell they were a little nervous. There was a couple of uh, squirrely shots out there early, but down the stretch, you got a sense that that, that wasn't really on their mind. They were focused. They were in the zone. They were they were ready for that. Um, and they both gave it their best to hold that trophy. 
Yeah, let's we can we can talk about that playoff. Uh, also, I don't know if it is uh, impressive or disappointing of the number of messages that I got that said, "What's going to happen with my John Rom bet? I had him to win. He was six <laughs> shots clear." Yeah. Uh, well, that was kind of uh, you know tenth or eleventh on my list of priorities. However, uh, some books, our friends over at William Hill, uh, did pay those out in full. So if you were making your wagers uh, with William Hill, they took good care of you. All right, gentlemen. We did get a winner. Uh, it took one playoff hole, but Patrick Cantlay was victorious. He and Morikawa matched 71s on Sunday, and Cantlay made a par on 18, which was the first playoff hole, to hoist the trophy here at Jack's Place. And Mark, we'll start here with you. Patrick Cantlay gets his fourth career PGA Tour victory. He had been mired in a bit of a, a mini slump for the past couple of months, but this is certainly one way to break out winning the memorial for the second time yeah i'll say and and what i want to the observation i'd like to make is something i mentioned on last night's pod that became moot given uh, the john rom it, it never that's that's the lost episode mark it never made it to uh, okay. air <laughs> well good this is this is fresh information then um I mentioned last night and in watching him play and and having seen the little mini slump he was going through, I was just so impressed at, at his approach and his instructor Jamie Mulligan's approach to the poor play. There never seemed to be any panic. There wasn't anything changing. They just stuck to their guns. They stuck to the plan. Uh, it, it was very much an issue where they were working on shot making and not starting to tool on technique, which is the, I think sometimes, and I say this with respect, kind of the intellectually lazy way for golfers to approach bad play. They start chopping and changing on technique, or, you know, sometimes they might change golf clubs. I, I didn't, I saw him change a putter style, but it was the, with the same manufacturer. And, and there was no real, um, you know, reaction to stuff. And Patrick Cantlay just kept on taking one stride after the other. You could see him begin to gain a little traction. PGA Championship, he was decent. And then from there, it just kept on building. And I was then equally as impressed today when it started off a little scrappy. But then when the chips were down... He hit some quality shots coming in. I mean, that that 8-iron to 16 with nothing but kingdom come, come on the left-hand side. And, and you won back to fizz it in there to 10 feet. And that was awesome. Then to hit it over the top of the flag on 17, that was incredible. And then, yeah, he did blow a couple tee shots wide right, but he had quality shots from there. And, man, he nearly won the thing in regulation with an incredible putt down that hill. So... The, the mental moxie, the emotional control that Patrick Cantlay possesses, it's going to stand him in good stead because there's one guarantee in golf. Everybody and everyone, no one's immune to this. You will have hiccups. You'll have bumps in the road. You'll have slumps. And he has now shown that he can navigate this and not just come back. He can come back quickly and win around a very demanding golf course. And 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 this 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 should speak to who he is as a player and a human being. He he missed a putt on 18 in regulation on the pro side, the top side. It was a it was a great looking putt the entire way. His putt, Greg, in the playoff on virtually the same line. So once you give him a look at it, you know he wasn't gonna miss that, and he didn't. And now this actually thrusts him to number one in the FedEx Cup. This is his second win this year or this season, I should say, because the other victory was the Zozo Championship, the one that was played at Sherwood. So at Add Cat Patrick, I almost called him Patrick Pantley, Patrick Pantley, <laughs> Greg, to, to the list of multiple winners on tour this season. Yeah, they're starting to pile up now. You're starting to feel like um, like the guys that are you know, the upper echelon player, they're starting to find their stride a little bit. Um, we saw it with John Rahm. We all know what happened there, clearly feeling his stride um, despite everything that happened. And and now you got Patrick Cantlay coming around. You have Jordan Spieth is joining the upper echelon group of guys again. And, and Rory McIlroy, although the last two weeks didn't go great, he, he was able to get a recent win. So you have some stars that are starting to play really well, and they're guys that are capable of winning multiple times the way Patrick Cantlay has. But you look at his stats for the year, and he is just – he's so well-rounded. Um, it, it's kind of a sign of what it takes to be a PGA Tour player. He he does all of those things so well. And and the thing that amazed me about this round that he played today was what happened at number two 
right? He makes a bogey at number one from the middle of the fairway, and it's kind of disappointing. Um, and and it, he hit it into that front bunker from the middle of the fairway, so or the left bunker. So that was no good. Then he hits it out of play, nearly out of play, into the trees on the left-hand side at two, finds an alley, gets it to 44 feet, and makes it. And it, it's like just the, um, that ability to score, the ability to get it done no matter what happens um, is, I think, what separates PGA Tour players from non-PGA Tour players. Or should I say PGA Tour players that win a lot and PGA Tour players that don't win a lot. When you have that ability to score just because um, in, in any situation, it's amazing. And and then you saw him find his rhythm. So he, that putt. Uh, number two really saved him because he he lost a it, it was a shaky start for him and then he was it gave him that ability to find his rhythm and stay patient and still play the right shot and give himself opportunities and even though he didn't make a lot of putts that you think maybe he could have made he made a lot of putts you didn't think he would make um and and that was kind of a little bit different than Morikawa but very interesting and um it was a, it was a gutsy performance it was a shaky start for Colin Morikawa as well. At the end of the end of the day, he carded a 71, as did Cantlay, but he bogeyed one. He bogeyed four. He bogeyed six. So he was uh, two over through his first six holes, but he was able to grind it back, Mark. He was able to get himself back into this thing. And then I think uh, maybe, I don't want to say this was controversial, but the, the interesting thing happened on number 17 today where uh, I would say the skies opened up. Torrential downpours. It was it was biblical, and Morikawa was scrambling to throw you know the rain glove on and pull out the umbrella and all that good stuff. He hits a chip on the side of 17 that wasn't particularly good. Left himself with 10 feet, and then uh, the PGA Tour uh, official comes in and they call a pause in play, which I'm not sure I've seen mm-hmm. this often. Right, a pa- just just stand pat essentially while this rain rolls through, and of course. Some people question the fairness of this, the timing of it, because it rained for about two minutes before they were able to get back to action uh, before Morikawa would end up burying that putt, which I thought was an absolute stones move. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, but for Cantley to make the putt before him, I mean, that, that yep. was equally as impressive given the break. But, but, but to that situation, I've been out there before when I, I wouldn't say the event had essentially become by – become between a handful of guys but that was the case that made the decision for the tour a little easier but we must remember that behind the scenes they've got a really sharp staff of meteorologists that know exactly what's going on and they must have felt that with that squall that came through there was a high chance of maybe greens flooding given whole locations and, and stuff like that so they just pause them in case they need to just you know move water or whatever the case might be so I didn't think it was that bad a move. Uh, they knew how long the thing was going to last. I think it was just precautionary. And, you know, if it was earlier in the day, it would have been everybody. It was late in the day. A number of folks were f- finished, and there were only, what, two groups on the golf course? So I don't think it was that big a deal. And it, it I believe it sort of stood Scotty Scheffler in good stead, too, because otherwise he'd be having to stand there over a putt that he ended up missing. So I guess it's a moot point. But standing there in a downpour over something, um, uh, that, that that was very telling. So it's happened before. It is what it is. The, the tourists are good at making decisions like that because they've got such good information on hand all of the time. Yeah, they were they were certainly all over the forecast. The, the, I think Ken Tackett said this is going to last for three minutes. Sure enough, three minutes later, it is it is gone. And Greg Devils, Devils advocate here, says that's that's fine. You know, there's only four guys left on the golf course. It's not really impacting anyone. But the perception of trying to time it right, picking picking and choosing when we are going to stop play instead of forcing Cantlay to essentially have to hit his 23 footer in the pouring rain, letting him wait three or four minutes. I think it's the perception issue more than it actually impacted the tournament because I don't believe that it did. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it definitely impacted the tournament, right? Um, oh. But I don't think it did in an unfair way. It, it didn't impact it. It improved the tournament, I would say, but it definitely affected it. If, if he had, I mean, that was one of the more exciting moments of the tournament when he made it. And then Morikawa <laughs> comes in there with that 
highly uh, pressure. I mean, a, a two shot swing there would have been brutal. And maybe the perception would have changed if he missed that. And you say, well, hang on a second. He got the short end of the stick there. But ultimately, this is an outdoor game and you got to play in elements. Um, and, and sometimes it becomes a little bit too much. So for something that was th- just three minutes, I, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I think it made sense. I think it was the right move. And I, I do think it was um, it was fair for the most part. So ultimately, I, I think it led to um, a great finish. Whereas if they had played and maybe they hit their tee shots on 18 and that kind of stuff where when Morikawa has a lead, it, it changes the 18th hole entirely. Um, and, and I really like the way that it played out. Um, regardless of who you're rooting for, it was it was pretty cool to see. We are two, uh, just a few very small things away, Mark, from Colin Morikawa maybe having six wins already. You know what I mean? Or maybe mm. more. If he if he comes out victorious on uh, this playoff, which he he certainly could have. I mean, he missed. Uh, it was certainly no gimme putt for for par on the first playoff hole. I think it was seven feet or something like that. He, he makes that. They keep going. Maybe he wins. We know the missed putt that he had at Colonial that cost him an opportunity to win that event already with four on the resume. It, if everything kind of shakes out in his favor, you're looking at a, a really prolific start to a career. Well, uh, I guess it's putting to bed the whole Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, Sung JM, uh, Jacko Neiman conversation, right? And, I, I and, think and, we can and, pin that for a while. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And a few folks, a few folks have sort of intimated as such, but you never know in golf. But the one thing about Colin Morikawa. Apart from a putter that's a little on the streaky side and he can run hot and cold on the greens, the guy is complete. Everyone talks about how he hits it. I, I want to say to you, the times I've been around him, the times I've been, a, I've watched him go about his craft on the golf course, the guy is the ultimate professional. He is just so sharp. He's so measured. He, he just seems... Well, I'll make an NFL analogy, not that I know that much about it, but if you, you watch the veteran NFL quarterback, things move fast when you get in the league, but they just always have time. You watch Tom Brady, he never looks flustered. Stuff is just mayhem going on around him, and he just stays in there. He goes through the reads and makes the right decision. That is Colin Marikawa. And in the very end, you know, this game uh, there at Jack's event, it's it's a game that's won with a 15th club. That, 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 that golf club between your ears, the brain and the mind and that sort of stuff. And he is just so mentally acute and he's so sharp and, and he makes the right decisions all of the time. And then you watch how polished he was when he goes past Jack Nicholas after just missing a short putt to extend a playoff. He was, I'm sure, chap at that stage, but stopped talked was wasn't rushed said all the right things the guy is complete and um and it's nice for me to see him doing what he's doing and i look forward to him staying healthy and continuing to build on this because what he's been a pro for how long now and he's still Uh, learning i mean it's crazy yeah Yeah, exactly two years ago today yeah well he played in his first pga tour event he played in his first oh was that as a pro rick as a pro rbc canadian i believe it was Two years, yeah, two, it was as a pro. Ago, so I didn't know if it was his first event. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. It wasn't. First he event. played. He played like two or three events before that, I believe, as an amateur. Yeah, yeah. But it's, Mark, it's unbelievable stuff, Greg. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. let me let me tee, let me tee up on this because yeah. the one thing that we heard about Colin Morikawa coming out of college, and I remember this vividly, it was always. He's wise beyond his years. He's so mature. You wouldn't believe he's 21 or 22. And I, I, I remember brushing that off, right? That's what everybody says. Or it's like every prospect in the NFL or any sport, it's like, oh, he's he's in the best shape of his life in training camp. You, you hear the same things over and over. I was I, I didn't know what to expect. He literally is mature, like 10 years older than he actually is in the brain. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he he understands the game. And to Mark's point, he understands how to prepare. He understands how to get himself ready. Uh, he understands how to score. The thing that amazes me, that amazed me today about Colin Morikawa, and it continues to, is when there's something in his game that's weak for a day, which it is usually for a day. Maybe putting's a little more consistently weak. But when it's weak for a day, he figures out how to score. Mm. Um, and if he hits it great with his irons, then that's great. He, he scores whether he puts well or not. Um, if he's accurate off the tee, then that's great. He'll figure out a way to score whether he puts or not. It, 
if if he's um, not hitting it well, like he did today. I mean, he was 53rd approaching the green today. He hit nine of he hit nine of 18 greens of regulation today. This is the player who leads the PGA Tour in greens of regulation. He hit eight of 14 fairways, um, which is not a great day for a Colin Morikawa. Yet he figures out how to get the job nearly done. I mean, he, he he gets himself into a playoff and very nearly won the thing in regulation. So, he, But he does it with the putter. All of a sudden, he makes every single putt he needed to make. That putt at 17, I mean, it, there, were, there were so many that he made. Um, I, I would say at least there were, there were at least six putts from that 7 to 12-foot range that you feel like you should make and you want him and he made them all today um, until the playoff really which was probably even outside of that range so it, it was an amazing performance on the greens and not an easy thing to do for a guy who that's not really his DNA but he showed that he could figure out how to score and that's what prolific winners do I want to build on that. That's a fantastic take there. Um, if you watched what he went about doing, because we look, let's be honest, we're playing in a power game now. Everybody knows this. Uh, everyone's figuring that this is how you're going to gain or you're going to separate yourself from competition. But here's Colin Marikawa, who didn't know where the thing was going, to be honest with you, over the first seven, eight, nine holes, which was surprising. But there were a number of situations where he went with fairway medal off the tee even on a hole like the 10th, which is mammoth. I mean, the thing is 480 uphill the entire way. He's gone with the three wood off the tee. And that just speaks to the patience that he has to the, okay, I know how to play this game as opposed to just bludgeoning your way away and hopefully drawing a, a, a lie in the rough and trying to get the ball on the green. Just like a Tiger Woods, Marikawa knows, hold on, I can contend if you give me an iron in my hand out of the fairway. So if I need to go with less power off the tee to get myself into that situation, I'm going to do it. And that, again, speaks to just the maturity and the awareness of who he is and what he's got. Um, Mark, to that that point, real Mm -hmm. real quick, um, if you know you can hit a five wood the way Colin Morikawa can (laughs) right at the flag or a three iron uh, or whatever (laughs) whatever club is in your bag, it it almost doesn't matter. It's like a video game. He's just got to click click the the club up button once, and it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's so having that confidence in your long game is such an asset. Uh, It allows you to make the right decision off the tee. To your point, Mark. Yeah, I I swear I've never seen him hit that five wood more than one yard off the pin. That club is. It's unbelievable what he does with that thing. Um, the third horse, the uh, the guy who really took advantage of the early stumbles of Patrick Antley and Colin Morikawa was Scotty Scheffler, who Mark was three under par through his first five holes, had the outright lead at one point at 12 under. In this event, we saw him hit a cold... I don't want to say it. It was yeah. he shanked, yeah, one, he shanked one. Mark, he shanked one. Uh, still yeah. looking, still looking for that first PGA Tour victory. But we've seen him uh, time and time again continue to knock on the door. He's done it in big time events as well. Seems like it's just a matter of time. I watch Scotty Scheffler play, and I, I sort of think of a young Phil Mickelson, maybe a young David Duval. You know, they all heralded coming out and then they just, you know, Phil won early, but Duval, it took him a while to, to knock off that first victory. And then he just sort of went crazy, if you will. And it was a question of these individuals that are supremely talented. Uh, they've got their own technique uh, and, and they sort of just struggle to, to, to slip the, uh, the, the, the thread through the, the aisle of the needle or, or to just, you know, finish that last thing that they need to do to win. And, and Right now, I watch Scheffler play, and it just appears to me always, Greg, that there's there's going to be a hiccup somewhere, and that's when he least wants it to happen, whether it's a shank shot or whether it's a wild tee shot or whether it's a short putt missed. There is that little thing to him. But let's not yeah. forget, this guy is still – he's still just a pup, right? And he's just <laughs> so good, and, and he's going to figure it out. Uh, my wish for Scheffler is that he doesn't go changing who he is. I don't think he will because Randy Smith is a legend, a golf instructor who consults to him. Uh, and he must just stay the course. You know, it's going to be frustrating when you blow a few leads and you don't finish it off. But just stay where you are, Scotty. Don't change because he's he's going to find his way into the winner's circle. Of that, I'm I'm pretty well convinced. 
Yeah, and it, it could happen uh, quite frequently when it does because he's mm. he's really good. But Mark, to that point um, about how something kind of in the like Phil Mickelson way, there seems to be that disaster lurking around the corner with Scotty Scheffler. That that comes from aggressive play, and while aggressive play can at times lose you tournaments, it also wins you a lot of tournaments. Yeah. Um, and and he is not afraid to go at flags and I thought it was really cool watching him today take on the water and and con- continuously um like the shot at 16 I think it was where he hit it left of that flag. I mean I'm not advocating that you hit it left of that hole there but the point is he's going for it he's not afraid he plays with no fear and I don't get the sense um when I watch Scotty Scheffler I don't get the sense that he's um afraid of winning even though he hasn't yet, um, no. He he. It it doesn't seem like that's a a big hurdle for him. It just seems like it hasn't happened yet. Oh, I wouldn't say so. And just to sort of put a bow on it, I guess. Um, I I just have my concerns about the loose footwork. Now I know we stay in an era where there's power and you use ground reaction forces and stuff like that, but there's a lot of lateral going on with him and a lot of sliding around the place. And when that starts to happen, as you know, the base of your swing arc has moved. So you might be setting up to hit a fade shot, but all of a sudden the swing path is too far inside out. And then you tweak one and you hit one left. Or then off an uneven lie, like on nine, you come in too far from the inside and one that you're trying to carve, and then you hit the inside of your golf club. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a situation too where, yeah, by all means, do that off the tee. But when you've got to hit a quality shot, plug yourself to the ground a little bit, tighten up, which I'm sure he'll do. And then he'll hit those shots, those precision shots that are requiring that are required when you're attacking a whole location like 16 for argument six. I'm a, I might be a, out on Scheffler. My name's, my name's Kyle Porter. I work for cbssports.com. I'm, I'm on the first cut podcast. I might be out on Scheffler. Like go win something. He's trying. Yeah, he's <laughs> trying. I mean, he's contended. He's contended a easy. lot though. It's not like the back. I feel like it's not the backdoor top tens. It's like he when he was in contention. At, I guess not this most recent PGA Championship, but the one. I mean, he, I feel like he's actually contended. That's fair. That's a good point. I just I was watching him and Morikawa today, and I think and Mark will love this. I think Morikawa has this just thing about him that is just. Uh, you can't explain it with statistics. You can't use metric. Like he just has something about him that he is going to win a lot. Like he runs toward the lead instead of away from it. And I, I, it seems like there's a lot of guys out there that they just, they don't do that. They, they kind of run away from, from leads from, from leading a tournament. And I loved, I love watching that about Morikawa. And I just, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen that on, like late in a tournament from somebody like Shefford. Now, is it unfair to Scheffler to compare him to Colin Morikawa? Probably, but that's just kind of what I was thinking about today as I was watching. Well, what a great model to follow, right? What you're going to watch a guy, watch Colin Morikawa, because you should, Scotty Scheffler should be able to contend the way um, Morikawa does. He should be able to, uh, he, he can play with him, right? It's just, what what does Morikawa do that is it, right? What is it? What what does he do that allows him to win and keep Scotty Scheffler from winning? I, I think it's something that'll learn. Maybe it's a little of the nuance that Mark talked about with, um, with the iron play. Maybe it's, uh, something that's a little more unexplainable, but I just I love the way that Morikawa was able to lean on the putter today. I, I, I want to call to your observation. I I want to turn that around and and say, okay, just go win because you you ask these guys what would be a good career because we're quicker and this is with the mistake that we make as members of the media. We're very current and it's the next great thing and last week it was Brooks and Bryson now all of a sudden it's John Rahm and COVID and 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 we like little ants scurrying about the place for the next great content and the next story. Where if these guys like Colin Morikawa, he looks awfully patient about what he does. And like I said the craft and the golf course, he's never in a rush. He lets things come to him. And it's like he's looked at himself to to say Okay, if I stay healthy, I'm going to play golf for 30 years. And in 30 years, I want to win X number of events. And I look at Scotty Scheffler, and he's talented, but I would say if he accumulates more than eight wins in his career, that would be a big career, I think. And I don't want to handcuff him. you, You don't know for certain. But I know a number of really talented golfers that have only won five times on the PGA Tour in their career or less. So 
this just go win thing. Yeah, that's fair to say, but 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 you got to look at this going well. Take the thirty-six thousand foot view thing, and Scotty Scheffler. When it's all said and done, in your opinion, how many wins do you think he should have? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I think eight is a lot in this era. I think that's mm-hmm. a ton. I yeah. think I think five is a lot. I think my point is it's almost it's almost more like. Like if Scotty Scheffler had, I don't know, four, five, six wins over the course of his career with like maybe a major or something, maybe two majors, that that'd be a really good career. Like kind of the kind of Fowler-ish. I don't know. Fowler will probably end up with more than than five or six. I think my thing is like, okay, you're like, are you are are you like? I don't like the in between. Are you Max Homa? where you, you, you kind of progressively get better and then you eventually win? Or are you Colin Morikawa where you come out and just win right away? I feel like Shuffler is a little bit in between and it, and it kind of works against him in, in terms of the way we view him. It's the Finau thing. He's always near it, but he, he, he doesn't like, he doesn't finish it. He doesn't get it done. So uh, yeah, I'm being unfair to Shuffler right now, but he's also in contention a lot and doesn't cross the finish line. Or hasn't. I mean, you, you got to look at what I think with John Rom this week, we saw something we were about to see something pretty important. It has this. This is what we talked about on Tuesday, Kyle. Um, that John Rom's year doesn't look great right now because there's no one in the column. Right. There's no there's no win in the column. But you start looking at his statistics, you start looking at all the top fives and all the top tens that he's had, um, the percentage of top tens and the events that he's played. And as soon as you add a win on there, all of a sudden it's the everything before it looks great. How, oh, of yeah. course, of course he won. We saw this coming for uh, for over a year. And with Scotty Scheffler, um, you know, a win. At the U.S. Open, he is the game to do that. He, if he goes and wins the U.S. Open or he wins at Congaree or he wins um, at the John Deere Classic, if he wins on the PGA Tour this year, it'll change, in my opinion, it'll quickly change the viewing opinion and it'll look like a much stronger career than it is. Now, it can go the other way. It can go the Finau way. Um, but I think I, I really like Mark's point about looking at it from 36,000 feet, looking at it like Phil Mickelson, where he's he's seen great progress. We don't see it. But then all of a sudden he wins the PGA. He's the only one that saw it coming because he knows the he knows what steps he's taking. And so I, I think from what I've seen from Scotty, because of the consistency and contending, I, I think he is taking the right steps. And I do think he'll learn. And he is what, part of the reason why it's so hard to win eight times or five times because <laughs> there are so many other guys just like him. <clears throat> to put a bow on Greg's point if John Rahm would have won this week it would have been 17 events 11 top 10s a runner up and a victory would have been a hell of yeah, a year it's ridiculous and, and we were right? talking That's... about what a disappointment he had been before that <laughs> yeah is that is that this season that would have been this season. It's 2021. Yeah, this yeah, season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's the best player um, in the world, right? Well, we would have that's that would have been the conversation we were having. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's the best player in quarantine right now. <laughs> that's for sure. Scotty <laughs> Scheffler, solo third, Brandon Gray, solo fourth, Patrick Reed, solo fifth. That rounds it out. KP, you popped in uh after your obligations. We are still waiting on a winner. We could get one here soon for the US Women's Open, but is there anything you want to go back on? We've talked about Morikawa, we talked about the rain delay, we talked about Cantley, we talked about uh Scheffler. Anything you want to touch on? We do have a winner. Uh, Did she make it? Oh, there it is. Yeah, she made it. We can go to that. You Uh, talk about the U.S. Women's Open? Well, so here's what I was thinking about (laughs) as it relates to to Memorial and the U.S. Women's Open is it's the week of – and we talked about this with Phil at the PGA, and you and I talked about it, Rick, I think on Saturday night. It's the week of the player that didn't win being the story. Like, can't lay Morikawa. That was great. That's not the story. The story's John Rahm. Uh, this the the playoff at the U.S. at Olympic is great. That's not the story. The story is Lexi Thompson shooting a forty-one on the back nine, and I think I, I don't I don't know. I, I, is that is there like a ton to take away there? I don't know, but I I do think it's interesting that so much of what we talk about revolves around uh, stars and kind of the these dramatic narratives. It, we're, we're, it's all about it. Like what we discuss is all about what is the most dramatic thing 
And this week it was John Rahm being told that he had to withdraw from the tournament and Lexi Thompson leaving like six putts short on the back nine. And I don't know that, that to me kind of stood out in a week of great golf that it's unfortunate that those were probably the two biggest storylines of the week. Yuka Sasso just won the 76th U.S. Women's Open, her first major victory with a birdie on the third playoff hole. But as Kyle is alluding to, Mark, it's Olympic and the maybe Olympic curse that is the storyline because per our Justin Ray, 54 hole leaders at the Olympic Club are now 0-4-6 in closing out U.S. Opens in both the men's and the women's category, it is also, I suppose, not that easy to close out a major victory. Yeah, well, it's such a great venue, and you're going to see four seasons in one week over there, which makes it awesome. The golf course is demanding from start to finish. And if you think about those leads that were blown, all of them were dramatic and flameouts of note because the golf course is the ultimate U.S. Open venue to me. It's going to work you over mentally as good as anyone in the game there's not a level lie on the place it's like uh, augusta national that way um you have that cold sea air that comes in there that makes the golf ball go nowhere and then you add to that some pioneer greens will drive you bananas we saw that with lexi thompson so it's 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 tremendous spot um kudos to yuka sasso for hanging up hanging on because she had went in the tank early too and it essentially looked like a coronation for Lexi Thompson. But once again, it, it just proves that golf is that thing where you've just got to hang around, just keep yourself in the game somehow. And you never know when the thing is going to go your way. And, and this time it worked out well for her. So uh, congratulations. But me personally, I'm second for Lexi. I mean, this is going to scar her. You know, there's you had the event, I think it was maybe at the Dinah, not the Dinah Shore, the A&A, A&A. Inspiration. Um, yep. So there's a few dramatic stumbles on her behalf. And it's hard to come back for this sort of stuff. And, and she's I've got high respect for her as, a, as an athlete and a person. Sasso started her day making par on the opening par five. She doubled number two, doubled number three. She was three over par. She fought it back, played great over her final handful, uh, you know, 12 or 13 holes to get, to, to get into this playoff um, before eventually taking it down. And Greg, the, uh, the emotion from Lexi Thompson continues, as you can imagine the, her, her post round presser was uh, not the greatest scene. You could tell she was very emotional. She answered two questions before uh, her agent said, I think I think that'll be enough for this evening. Unfortunately, probably something that will stick with her for quite some time. Yeah, and, and um, th- this can happen. You put so much work, you put so much effort into can into into winning major championships, right? Winning golf tournaments, getting your game to its very peak, and when you reach that peak a little bit earlier than you know Sunday afternoon, it can be a little bit disappointing um, and it can be a letdown. If if you said, if you told Lexi at the beginning of the week she was going to go out there and shoot three under, she'd probably think she had a, a great chance. Um, but when you're at, when you reach eight under in the final round and, and that's the way you do it, it feels extremely disappointing. So um, I know Lexi's been working on her attitude a little bit, um, becoming a little bit more positive. I think that's something that could maybe go a long way, um, but it will certainly be tested. Uh, but if she can stick to the course and continue to do those things, work on those things, some some areas of her game are definitely highlighted as weakness. Um, and, and hey, that could propel her forward to some pretty great things. To talk about her attitude after carding a 41 on her second nine, blowing a five-shot lead KP. She goes into the scoring tent, signs for that disastrous 75 that's going to haunt her and then she came out and signed autographs for all the fans waiting for her uh class act lexi thompson yeah uh i I, i'm i'm like i don't have great takes on this because i'm sort of following i'm watching cantley marikawa but the thing that i took away from the bat nine and i like lexi I, i i i think she is I mean, she's been, she's been doing this for 15 years. It's crazy. But um, I, I thought her reaction to everything was kind of bizarre, like the way that she was reacting during, during the round, not after the round. After the round, I haven't really seen a ton. It's great that she was signing autographs. But I thought in the round, she was kind of like – it was almost – 
uh, I think Nolan Up said this. It was almost like she was in shock. Like she was like laughing and smiling. And you're like, wait a second. Like it didn't match up with what was happening on the course. And the whole thing was tough to watch. And it's it's cool that uh, yeah, it, it just it's a it's a, it's a bummer for her because that that is the it's Spieth and 16 at the Masters, right? Dan, nobody talks about Danny Willett winning the 16 Masters. It's Jordan Spieth losing it. Of course she was to, in shock. Sorry, Rick. Of course she no. was in shock. And 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 like we said earlier, when it starts, Greg used the term slipping away from you. Everybody knows it, including you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you feel so exposed. And I guarantee you the lion's share of the fans there were pulling for Lexi and they couldn't even help her haul it back up. So it, it's just a horrid place to be. And that happens in any sport. But the problem with golfers... It's like everybody has, well, especially Lexi in the situation, has this timeout called on her between every shot. So you hit the shot, and then you've got this time that your mind can wander, and you know the thing's going in the tank, and you're trying your best, and you feel so exposed. It is just, uh, what did that guy in that movie, uh, Keanu Reeves, they called it quicksand. Remember the quicksand thing, whatever that football movie was there? Um, where they're the replacements or whatever it was, it, you you just feel like you're drowning in your own emotions and it's terrible. Just terrible. remember that guy in that movie. <laughs> I know. I did not know where he was going with it. That. It was uh, it, it was it was Keanu Reeves it was the replacement. yeah, replacements. I, yes. That's it. Yeah. Quick set. Yeah, I just Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, uh, to put a bow on the U.S. Women's Open, Greg, uh, Shan Shan Fang took a little bit of heat last week for deciding to bow out of her consolation match at the match play. And she said, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to go prepare for our U.S. Open. And sure enough, maybe a little rest worked because she finished T4 and I think goes a long way in silencing some of those critics. Yeah, I'm still one of those critics. I don't think it has to I know, be that's why results, I asked you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't I don't like I love the move. it. I love it. Yeah. I, I still I mean, look, she played great here. She's a great player. Um my position wouldn't change even if she won. And for her own game, she may have made the right choice. It's I mean it looks financially she made the right choice, right? I haven't seen the numbers, but I'm sure that um that that it was worth it financially. I I just it still bothers me the the obligation you have to the um, to to the LPGA match play um, to Arya Jutanagarn to her fans to to Shenzhen's fans it, the the whole thing it just doesn't sit right with me it bothers me I think you have an obligation to finish what you start um, that, so a little bit disappointing but hey great playing she's a wonderful player um, I I love what she has to say in interviews um, she's the best at least her personality she's got a really strong personality so. Very good things to say about her. Just I, I don't really like that decision she made last. So, so if her back was a little tender, would that have made it better for you? Because that uh, happens often, buddy. Let me uh, tell you. Yeah, yeah, I know it does, and there, it it that bothers me if it's a little tender. Right, no, you're, you're but, using air quotes. That bothers yeah. me because it's the same thing. It doesn't change anything. It's still the integrity I, of what you're doing in the event. Uh, <clears throat> so, I, but I understand a real injury, Jason Day's injury this week. I completely understand. <clears throat> Go ahead, Kyle. Well, I, I respect the fact that you're not using like an outcome to change what your initial take. Was. Like it, it shouldn't be like what she did this week. It should just be yeah, based it's got on to do with it. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the amateur? Uh, yes. Before we do that, uh, Bubba Watson and Cam Champ this week might have had a little tender back when they did not come back to play their final four holes to miss the yeah. cut on Saturday morning. Mm, so it happens yeah. quite a happens. bit here. That amateur that you're referring to, Mega, right? Yep. Mega uh, Gane. 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 Yeah. Mega Gane. 17 year old Stanford commit. <laughs> I can't. I can't speak. I, I I joked about this on Twitter on Saturday. She's more composed as a 17 year old contending for the U.S. Women's Open than I am writing 300 words about John Rahm withdrawing from a tournament. It's unbelievable. Uh, she was awesome. She was so like her swing is very unique. It's really good, and she was just there. There's such a um, there's such an innocence 
right? When it's, when it's you're 17, you're playing a U.S. Women's Open. I thought somebody said this, I think it might have been Doug Gottlieb about the 2011-12 Thunder when they had Durant, Harden, and Westbrook. There's an innocence there that even if you win all the titles in the world, you can't replicate, you can't get that innocence back. And I thought it was just, it's so much fun to watch somebody like that because it's such it's almost like an out of body out of mind experience that that you're watching and they don't even they won't appreciate it for five more years 10 more years and i just thought i I couldn't get enough i thought she was phenomenal to watch she shot 77 on sunday or whatever but you know playing in the final group there as a 17 year old it's just it's the coolest thing it was kind of like uh who, who was it in 12 bo hostler that, that played in like the second to last group Adel- on Sunday. yeah yeah, Olympic, he, was yeah. he was leading it was a it was a little bit like that uh on, on the women's side so i just i thought it was cool how about that stanford the other ladies thing about- golf team they got Rachel they got Rachel Heck who just won as a freshman the individual Rose Zhang and now uh, Megan is what's it Ghana is going Megan, there that's, yeah. I mean it's going to be like a dynasty they're going to be like the, the other, uh, 2018 Oklahoma State men's team with Wolf and uh, Victor Hovland the other thing about just Mega <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> Mega Greg is there's this great video where she was at a first tea clinic six years ago. She was 11 years old and she's meeting Jordan Spieth. And then they interview her afterwards and she's just like beaming, right? Glowing. She's asking, she asked this question to Jordan Spieth. And then she finally says, you know, he's, he's so young and he's the number one player in the world. And if he can do it, I think I can do it too. And here she is yeah. final group at the U S women's open. I mean, it's, it's an awesome story. You saw the same. You saw the same beaming smile when she finished a round today on eighteen, and she had just yep. tapped in for seventy-seven, and it looked like she won. I mean, she was so happy, and it was genuine happiness. It's probably a little bit of that innocence Kyle was speaking of, but um, she really enjoyed uh, a special week. She got a lot of support from the fans, which was great and well deserved. Um, but she really appreciated it, and and I think that was um, it was really cool because I don't know. It looks like she she started to appreciate it now um even though it probably won't sink in for a little while but yeah really cool to watch an infectious smile um and and what a player all right gentlemen well we've got to do our odds and ends which includes a betting card update and a one and done update and let me tell you you're gonna want to stick around for this there was some movement finally from the team in the one and done but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance 
performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Let's do a betting card update, gentlemen, and I can make this very quick. We stick. Uh, we all lost our best bets. Mark, I'm not even sure you submitted bets, so you are the nah, de facto <laughs> the winner because we are terrible. So you, you by exclusion, won this week. <laughs> That's good news because okay. I've been sucking anyway, so I'd rather not play, to be honest with you. Uh, we had a rough, we had a rough one, although you're like, you're like Shin Shin Are you Fang. resting your back? Yeah. 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 Well, look, I mean, it's, I know we're playing, with, I, 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 I know we're playing with house money and sort of stuff, but if this was my wallet and I was looking at my winning clip here in this thing, I would be the most morose human being you could ever lay eyes on. So that's sort of where my you, mindset is have an obligation to Mark Immelman betting fans to continue to pump out your $100 bets every right. single week. <laughs> uh, okay, one and done update. We had some movement, but it was not from Coach, who's at the bottom. He is at $2.5 million. Greg, he used Victor Hovland. He got $26,000, and over the course of Coach's last seven events, he's got a total of 88000 we should have maybe we should have spotted him a couple million instead of just one. <laughs> yeah, um, it's looking that way. Ah, uh, man. I mean, to use Victor Hovland, who I think was a great pick. I can't really give him credit. I just I I sigh and uh, in disappointment for him. It, it's tough because Victor Hovland, what a play. I mean, he's perfect for this week, but uh, yeah. it didn't work out. So that's a little bit that that one stings a little bit. Jacob, open your mic, please, because also perfect for this week was Kyle Stanley, who ended up getting $33,000 for Jacob. It moves him to $3.7 million. He's in a tier by himself. And Jacob, how excited were you when Stanley was two under? I think he was two under through his first three holes, and everybody on the, on the internet was freaking out about it. Well, Stanley was the free space this week in DraftKings. So, you know, obviously that's who the one-and-done play was going to have to be. Uh, and... You know, you you peep the scoreboard on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, and you see him in the top 10, and it's Vince Doc Giff already. I mean, I know he's at least making the cut, which is at the, which is, you know, really all I can ask for at this point. Uh, but I will say not, not too disappointed to see my man Patrick Cantlay when, uh, you know, back in January, I threw a a couple of bucks on him to win the PGA tour money list this season. So, you know, that. the, this Memorial, uh, huge, I think I got him at 15 to one. So, you know, this we're, we're, we're celebrating in the Halleck's household tonight. Hey, um, can yes. we just do a check? It was, are, are we sure Jacob didn't already play Kyle Stanley? I was surprised <laughs> to see he still had him on the board. I don't, I don't have to check. teasing. <laughs> <laughs> Cantley is now third on the money list, five point three million, just five hundred thousand behind Bryson DeChambeau. Jacob, all right, holding the ticket. That's Bryson's live. going in the wrong way right now, so you know it's yeah. live. Go. It's definitely live. Greg, you're up next, six point seven million. You went with Gary Woodland this week, and he earned you zero dollars so you stay right yep. at six point seven two seven you're in a bit of a i mean there's a couple of us who are in a rough stretch right now you as well four of your last tournaments you've earned one hundred and twenty eight thousand, and you are falling from that middle pack you gotta you gotta figure yeah. there's a lot of money to be made though so still plenty of time. yeah there's still big events to go uh i still have a chance i'm in the, that kind of uh no man's land right now where i'm very safe from the seller um, which is where, not where you want to be. I'm, I'm I mean, quite safe from that. But at Coach the same could, time, I'm, I'm so out of touch from Rick. Coach could, could pick the U.S. Open and the Open Championship, and you'd be in trouble. 
Yes, he could, I, I suppose. Um, but I, I, that doesn't feel like a you know a threat right now, to be honest. So coach, I, coach, I kind of feel coach like is not a, coach is not a threat. He could pick the U.S. The Open headline. and the Open Championship winner and still not catch Greg. Because if it was two million bucks each, uh, he'd yeah, be at six point five. <laughs> yeah, so you're you probably see what, I, I'm not too worried about the seller, and at the same time, I feel like I, I've let the lead slip away. I'm now at that point where, well, I guess a major could winning a major could put me on top. Um, I'd need a little bit of help. So you know, I'm I'm in that no man's land right now. I need a spark. I need I don't know maybe something different. I don't know. <laughs> Kyle, you, you sound, looked for a spark. You sound like you're. <laughs> that sounds like Rory. You need a all. vacation or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just need a coaching change. Uh, yeah, I had Keegan Bradley, so just skip me. Uh, I did have a question. Well, two things. One, I did Vince Giff on Saturday night. That didn't go yeah. well. <laughs> How many times did you wrong with it? I think the last one was was Finau at, at Phoenix. Eh, I might have had one in between those. No, you did fill at the PGA, I thought, didn't you? Yeah, but, but he won it. right. Yeah, I'm but saying, when's the last what, time what you did on the 17th hole? Was... Yeah. What? Uh, I'm saying, when is the last time that 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 Kyle tweeted the Vince Carter dot gif for a player, presumably whoever was in first, and that person did not win. So when, when he tweeted out the PGA oh, championship, okay. Phil was in the lead. He held right. on. He waited very long to do it, but it, it, it was fine. <laughs> uh, so the last time we think was what? Finau at Phoenix when Webb got him? I think there was one in between there, but I can't remember. Uh, well, I did it for Spieth and at uh, San Antonio, which got a little <laughs> got a little questionable there on 18. I don't know. There, I, there, I think I screwed up. That's part of the thrill of it. I was going to ask, do you think Vince will go into the Hall of Fame and will that be his statue? Is him doing that? Should so his bust? Should it, it should would be not, not just be the head, not just be the shoulders, but it should extend down to his have his, his arms. Yeah, have his face. arms up there. That would be awesome. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna campaign for that. <laughs> we could have it made. We could like crowdsource it, whether it's in the Hall of Fame or not. We could just have it made, and we can send it to you, and you can put it in your background. That would be also that would be even better. I don't care about the Hall of Fame. I just care about yeah, what's back here. We could probably get uh, some so nerd yeah. on the internet to three D print it for cheap. I, I, I screwed I screwed that one up. But in my defense, he would have won by like nine. So I'm not I'm not too heartbroken over it. Keegan Bradley got you zero dollars. I'm ashamed to say he also got me zero dollars. I am in the midst of a devastatingly poor stretch, and Mark has finally taken advantage of it there was Finally. a lot of weeks there mark where you had an opportunity uh, right. and it didn't go so well for you either me, me me neither but you are the winner this week you got colin morikawa one million dollars for finishing second which is thanks tiger uh one million dollars for finishing second you have now closed the gap you are at 7.9 million and a mere two hundred and fifty thousand dollars behind me with what do we have 12 events to go something like yeah, that i think it's 11 it's 11 now isn't it might be that 11. might be right tell you it can't come fast right. enough we're starting to see the the <laughs> effects of the super season really way well, that's, here right well you you bring up a good point because like you say coach could win both major champions he's blowing every blue chip golfer already for two and a half million dollars yeah he doesn't like have another striker <laughs> yeah so so you got to <laughs> So, so it's about what bullets in the chamber now, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, the discipline of hanging on to Morikawa for this event. You know, sometimes they don't work out. I'll happily take second, although I was a little aggro when he didn't pull the playoff playoff win off. But if you had in our moot podcast Saturday evening, I was like, I'll happily take second for Morikawa and, and take the one and done money. So, uh, it's, I'm looking forward to the last few week, weeks because. We can just navigate a little bit here. That two hundred fifty thousand. I'm I'm in your rear view, Rick. I, I think it is so hilarious when Mark starts to get all excited about this. So as they were going to a playoff, Mark I, texts us in the group chat and says, "Rick, who are you rooting for here?" <laughs> and I said, I've said this time and time again. I define my year, but why, by what happens in the one and done league. This is me. This this is my one. This is how I get excited. 
All right, fair enough. Lots of golf left to be played. Producer Jacob uh, has something, and he's going rogue because I have no idea what this is. Jacob, this I is just... going to be a rules. This is going to be a rules update. Like what happened more? Kyle on seventeenth today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about to go whisper in the, in the Mark's ear and tell him he's been withdrawn from the one and done league. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we. I mean, coach is very adamant that uh, for the next season we make this. Uh, we up the ante a little and throw some cash in here. So I have a question for the class while he's not here. Do we think he's trying to sandbag us by just staying at no. the bottom here? No. no? I mean, okay. No. That's honestly like, that's the only explanation to picking Sep Straka in week three. Can I, can I read you? Okay. So he used Sep Straka. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up, Kyle. Sep Straka in week three. He was also used. And remember, he came in. 11 events in so he had everybody left Sepp Straka, Russell Henley he has used he has used Bryce Garnett Danny Willett Adam Hadwin uh, and then he used Kisner well, and Brown in- hey take it easy on Hadwin with, <laughs> yeah, with coach in, in the chat here <laughs> so uh, if he's sandbagging and he's doing a great job he's too has he ever taken to Paul Casey has he taken Paul Casey <laughs> I, th- I thought so we had think, does that sound no, like a true. sandbagger does that sound like a sandbagger to you i, I don't buy it what i we'll would see, uh, we'll see how much cash he wants to put up but what i'd like to see is who has who available for the last stretch run here that would be a cool spreadsheet to put out there. i've got i've got the, I don't uh, see that. <laughs> i've still got the the pit boys i got brooks and bryson i've got kyle stanley uh for tory pines <laughs> I've got uh, Scott Stallings. I think I have available. Uh, oh, what are we Stallings doing for the tour? What are we doing for the tour championship? Are we taking Jacob? What What are we doing? Are we taking? We can't take the fifteen million or whatever. Yeah, let's treat it like an elevated status event. So let's do it just like the memorial this week. So I'll uh, I'll save the money table from from this event. So first through thirty of the of the of which leaderboard? Yeah, so we're putting in fake numbers for a fake leaderboard. <laughs> It's got to be uh, the shadow leaderboard. It's got to be the shadow. We'll do the shadow yeah. leaderboard. Okay. What's No, 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 no. I've been saving Justin Thomas the entire season for this because he's going to be near the top of the the leaderboard. He's still going to be the Don't you guys dare do that stuff. That is, you should have played him at the players. We uh-huh. we do, we do go. We are an OWGR-sponsored podcast, not a <laughs> FedEx Cup-sponsored <laughs> podcast. All right. JT for me at the U.S. Open. Damn it. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> All right, there you go. So I think we just decided shadow leaderboard and top 30 payouts from the memorial is what we will use for the tour championship for now until that changes later. That's- Gentlemen, Memorial Week is over. We look forward to the Palmetto Championship at Congaree and then, of course, the U.S. Open. But before we get out of here, any final thoughts? Kyle? Uh, I to- didn't. Yeah, I didn't get to do uh, Cantlay just real quick on him. I thought it was fitting that he beat uh, that it was him who who kind of slid in behind Rom um, because he's probably the most forgotten guy in the top ten. Maybe you guys already talked about all of this, but he's just the guy that you're like, oh yeah, he's not a he's not a chest thumper. He's not, you know, doing he do, he's not tweeting all the time. He's just he's just really really good, and he's easy to forget about. So I thought it was kind of fitting that he was the one that that ended up beating Rom. I'm pretty sure he is the highest ranked player. Oh, he does have a Twitter. This, this must be new. Oh yeah, joined He's, in August of twenty. For a long time, he did not have a Twitter. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So it's not that exciting. You should not follow him. Okay, no. you should follow everybody else though. <laughs> you should follow Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. You should follow Greg Ducharme at the Real GFD. You should follow Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. You can follow me at Rick Run Good. We'll be back on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 